Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Average Joe's Media. I am the Average Joe Boo. And I am the Average Joe. We're coming to you today with a with a Father's Day special. Uh, you know, to, to commemorate uh, Father's Day. Yes, we are. Father's Day. One of the great days of the year. Wouldn't the best? It's, I think it's the best day. It might, might just be. I, I may be a little bit selfish there. I, I might be a little biased. Being a father. Yes, being a padre. Right, but, well, okay. So, uh, but, I mean, I think it's, I think it's the best, but, you know, restaurants aren't booked with lines around the corners during Father's Day. They're not, and I don't see tents outside grocery stores with flowers. No. For dads. No, no, no. No, no, not at all. There's, uh, you know, there's, there's just not near the recognition on the retail market. There's not. You know, there's only like five Father's Day cards, and I've probably gotten all five like maybe ten times. Yeah, I, I'm fairly certain they recycle them. Yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, pretty it's, sure. It's hey, you're a dad. Happy Father's Day. Boom. That's the that's the hallmark phrase. But I gotta tell you what, though, like being on the other end of buying gifts for for a, for a Papa Bear or father figure, it's pretty spare out there. Not, not a whole lot of options. You know, you know, for me in terms of somebody as far as buy, traditional. Tradition, absolutely. It, for me, maybe that's because maybe there's a lot of people similar to my mindset. If you're gonna get me something, give me a gift card. You know, yeah, give, I me, like that. give me something that that I can tell you're thinking about me, but you don't know what to buy me. So don't buy me a a a, a remote control caddy for my living room. You know, don't buy me a little a little. Uh, a little clock radio that has a place for pins for my desk. I gotta tell you, my favorite thing to get though. What's that? Is a homemade gift. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm gonna sidestep that a little bit. I do enjoy other gifts as well. Oh. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, but show. You know, he, need, he needs new britches. Yeah. Yeah, some new shirts. Yeah. Maybe a ball cap or two. You know what I mean? Some uh, some Crocs, because you know nothing uh. says yo. I'm a dad, YOLO, like a pair of Crocs. Absolutely, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the Croc flop. I like the Croc flop. Yeah, I mean it's it's better than a flip flop because it's thicker, it lasts longer, it's got a little tread on the bottom until you wear that out. Actually, did you? It's the state footwear for both Louisiana and Florida. You know what? I did not know that because I don't typically look up state footwear. And it's kind of funny, right? Because it's a Croc, right? And alligators are actually indigenous to North America, whereas crocodiles are indigenous to, you know, Africa and Australia. So you would think it'd be the national... Not South America. Possibly. No, no, uh, Amazon crocodile. None of that. You know, I've heard it both ways. Okay, well, that's... Yeah. Cool. That's As cool. they might say, uh, SOS Husto. Ah, uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Down in South America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, from the, the Some Latin. dialect of that. Yeah, yeah, from the Latin root word... That's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. When you okay, okay. So many holes in that, but, <laughs> but uh, you know that's what we. You know, do. hey, that's like golf. That's what we do. That's like golf. That's what we do as fathers. We, you know, we, you take we a hole holes. and you plug it. That's right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You get a little, You punch a hole in the drywall. You got to patch it. Yeah. You know, you got to do yeah. a patch job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, find a hole, you plug it. You know, tire. Same thing with with podcasts. Same thing with podcasts. Absolutely. Yeah, our podcast is kind of like our gift. You know, if you have a hole, we're plugging it for we're, you. We're gonna. Average Joe's Media, baby. We're going to fill that hole. We're going to fill that hole. Absolutely. Plug it up. Good yes. time. Plug so, and chug. 
So what I, I thought we could do today, Joe Boo, okay. is I thought we could take a moment and kind of celebrate something that's probably one of the most passionate things in our lives, fatherhood. Fatherhood. I'm, I'm a big I'm a big fan of, of being a father. I will go as far as to say being a father might be the favorite part of my life. Yeah, it uh, it's something that, and the least favorite, depending on the day. Well, that's, that's that's fair. That's fair. But I have for the longest time I have known that I wanted kids. I wanted to be mm-hmm. a dad, and uh, you know it did not change when I became a dad. And honestly, I became a dad in, in like in two separate realms, and. Uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, but you know I had the experience of fatherhood and just uh, you know I think it's becoming more common how I became a father first mm-hmm. and then and then you know got to experience a different aspect of it later, but uh, you know that's becoming more common with mixed families and all this other stuff. But uh, but I think that really opened my eyes and, and made me want to continue and made me understand what I was wanting earlier in my life. And then it, it happened. It came to fruition. I was like, this is awesome. This this responsibility is great. It's very difficult to maintain. It's very difficult to make sure that you are steady and consistent, but it is worth it. It is, it is a job that is unlike any other. <laughs> I would agree with you on that one. I... Uh... I became I became a dad at an early age. Yeah. Um, I remember that. You, you do, yeah. I remember. I remember all the uh, all the the hoopla. A little bit, yeah. You know, the old uh, classic uh, boy meets girl cart before a horse. Yeah. Uh, you know, type of scenario. You know. Uh, <laughs> you jumped you the know? shark. You jumped the shark. Jump, well, yeah. There was, yeah, That's, yeah, for sure on that that's one. Okay. Uh, definitely, but, uh, definitely yeah. got the dorsal fin out. I'm telling you what, man. If only, you know, and, and the weird thing was, it wasn't even shark weed, so I don't even know. Well, that's, um, <laughs> that was. I don't think it could have been. I don't think it could have been shark weed. Well, the old average Jordan one beer today. You know, uh, you know, Texas OU weekend, baby. That was a great football game. Oh, uh, that was good. It was real good. Hook them horns, baby. Hook <laughs> them horns. But yeah, no, I um, oh, that's cool. I, I, I too knew, um, you know, growing up, and, and I think. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, father figures we had growing up. I, my, 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 my childhood was a little bit different than yours. Yeah. Um, I didn't necessarily have a, a childhood steady father figure, uh, much like the, uh, the average Joe Boo's Papa Bear. But uh, I had a lot of great uh, examples out there for me. Sure. Um, sure. Absolutely. You know, my grandfather was pretty much like. Gabe was the definition of what a dad should be, what a husband should be. I learned a lot, a lot from him. That's good. That's and good. Uh, that's what they should be. They should. I mean, be. that is the definition of, of being a father, a grandfather, being in that lineage. Is that mm-hmm. you? You should be setting the example for the younger people. Yeah, I think he really taught me what it was to be a provider. You know what it taught uh, Tommy what hard work was. Yeah, and I think also the way that uh, you know, he loved my my grandmother really was what it also meant to be a husband. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. See, see, I didn't have, I didn't have much of a uh, for a long time. I didn't have much of a grandfather influence. Uh, I hardly knew my dad's father, and honestly, for the longest time, my mom's dad was was off. He he lived in Mineola. Um, 
I think he now he he now lives in West Walking. My parents now actually live with him, um, and in in a, in a situation that I think is great, that they can be there for him. And uh, but when I was younger, you know, it it was a trip to go see him, and it you know I was the youngest of three boys, very difficult to get to him on a regular basis, and uh, you know it, it felt a lot like a family reunion type of visit. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I, you know, I attribute that he and my grandmother divorced. Grandma stayed in Garland, mm-hmm. and then he went and he he tended cattle and, and had land and uh, owned houses and stuff and and or and rented them out and stuff. And he did that out in basically uh, West Texas area. And you know, for the longest time, I saw him on Christmases and Thanksgivings, mm-hmm. and it wasn't always every year. You know, and so. Actually, within the last few years, with him living where he's at, and he's had uh, he's had a couple of different of his children live out there with him. My mom is, I think, the last of them to do this, but uh, but I've gotten closer with him, and I'm really glad to have that opportunity because he's you know he's he's one of a kind individual, and he's an old school. Uh, I mean, he's my granddad, so clearly he's old, but he is very much old age. Uh, way of doing things, you know. It ain't gonna get done unless it ain't gonna get done right unless I do it, you know. And I'll, and and he just he's eighty eight years old, eighty nine years old, and he's still out climbing up on roofs and helping reshingle houses and uh, planting trees and tending garden and all kinds of stuff. He's still active and going about it, and I think it's great. And I'm I'm glad to have the opportunity that, that my parents are now over there and I get to see him as a regular. I think that's awesome. That is awesome, man. But uh, but you know I hadn't had that grandfather influence until until not that long ago, until pretty recently, and so I feel real fortunate that my kids have had a grandfather influence on both sides, uh, pretty constantly. I feel very fortunate that way. Yeah, I um, you know, and, and not kind of the not exactly winning the, uh, the the paternal lottery, so to speak. Um, in a lot of a lot of cases, you know. Uh, my grandfather really was my compass, my really definition of what I wanted to be like as a man. And I fortunately lost him right after we graduated. Oh, that's right. And um, you know, we had Jordan about just a little, little past a year. A little, you know. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, about that's a year cool. afterwards. And I, and I tell you, it was, uh, it was really strange because you know, you you want to becoming a father, you'd want to, I'd imagine, want to share that with your father. Or father figures. Or father figures. You Absolutely. Know? And so it was. It was a little bit strange, but I, I really, really lucked out. My father-in-law, Mike, was all you could ever, and still is, all you could ever ask for. Yeah. You know, in a, in a in a father figure, and a dad, and a father-in-law, whatever you want to, whatever name you want to put on it, but just an, an amazing, incredible man, um, unconditional love, um, and I also don't want to say patience. Yeah, I learned a lot. Uh, patience is gigantic. Learned a lot. I would tell yeah. you that. Uh, see, I so my dad's been around ever since I've been born. You know, that's, and, that's uh, good. That, that's I think it's fantastic. You know, and nowadays that winning that, that is not <laughs> the case. You know, there's a lot of dads that become dads and they realize it ain't for me. You know, it ain't for them. And they and they mm-hmm. cut bait and they they haul. They re- relinquish their their fatherhood. Absolutely, and uh, you know I was very fortunate. Uh, to have him patience. I don't know if patience was always his strongest uh, aspect or characteristic because uh, 
let's just say that, that my brothers and I tested him about to his breaking point at times. That's and, fair. Uh, you well, know, I got to say, you, you came by it kind of honestly because out of the fortune of knowing your dad yep. pretty much, I guess, my whole life too. And then yep. love your dad to time. death. But uh, I'm not going to lie. Your dad can test my patience too sometimes. That's you know? fair. It, He's a little bit of a practical joker, a little bit. His apples did you know? not fall far from the tree. No, though. they did not. No. I mean, you know, he's got a little Buchanan orchard going yeah. on. I don't even know. I don't even know if our apples have fallen that even off the tree because we uh, we take. It's more like him. bunches of grapes. Yeah, yeah. We we take after him very much. So. Very much. So I think we I think we try to get aspects of mom in there, you know, because she is much different than my dad, but. Uh, you know, he he was he was steady. He was consistent. He uh, he was fair in terms of three different boys, and uh, you know what worked for one didn't always work for the other, and uh, and he made sure that that we had what we needed. He made sure that we knew how to get what we needed as we got older, uh, and he made sure that we, you know put emphasis in the right places as we got older. And, uh, you know, and I think that in terms of what a dad should do, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, he was the disciplinarian and, uh, you know, I had a fear for my father, you know, I did not want him to hear of something that I did that he has told me before that was wrong, you know, or had, uh, had taught me better because once he did, it was over, regardless of whether it was a spanking, whether it was uh, some sort of other other type of punishment, whatever it was, it was going to be effective, to say the least. And uh, but but you know what? I appreciate that because honestly, I feel like that's my biggest strong suit is to be able to love my children and also discipline them when needed. <coughs> I think that's absolutely necessary. He taught me. I feel like he taught me very well in that regard. I'd say the other thing. Just I also have to say I admire about your dad a lot, and just different times as being around each other, you know, at church and those up, but also you know, being a man of faith yeah. and instilling that in you guys and stuff. And, and you know, I've even asked him a couple times what you know tips for raising boys. Yeah, because uh, uh, you know he 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 could write a book with the three of y'all. Well, I imagine. It's, it's tough. He's a good man. I appreciate that. He, uh, you know, I think he, he worked hard at everything he did. And I, I don't think he, he took any days off in, in any, any aspect of his life, whether it was work, whether it was fatherhood, whether it was uh, being a husband. And, you know, he has his faults. I mean, who doesn't? You know, but I think he, uh, I think he works hard to, to try to identify those and overcome those and, and uh, you know, not let it uh, affect aspects of his life, you know, that, uh, that it could impact things negatively. Right. You know, he tries, he tries very, very hard to be as, as good a possible person as he can be. And, uh, and I think that's, I think that's fantastic. So a different source material, you know, from growing up as to what, you know, what, what fatherhood could look like in different capacities, different ways, what, what fatherhood, you know, started to, to, to develop in our heads of what that was going to be like and that we wanted it. So, you know, what, what does fatherhood really mean to you? Dude, uh, you know, fatherhood to me means <coughs> means being being a rock 
being someone that your children can go to for anything, it means instilling qualities that will take your children beyond childhood and be successful in whatever they whatever they try to do. Um, you know, and uh, it takes being being the person that can bridge the gap between childhood and adulthood. And, uh, you know, it, it's very easy to do, to, to pick a lane, you know, to, to become a friend of your children. You know, it's very easy to be just the disciplinarian. You know, it's very easy to spoil your children, give them everything they want. You know, I mean, you know there's not like a friendship there. There's like an understanding that, that I get whatever I want. You know, and that's and that's the kid's perspective. You know, it's very easy to pick one of those lanes, but you know, I think that uh, I think being a father means finding a nice balance between discipline, between friendship, love of that child, and providing for that child, giving them what they need, and you know what? Let's sprinkle in some wants occasionally because. You know what? When they grow up, they're gonna get things they want. So why not experience that joy a little bit now? But understand, you gotta teach them what they need versus what they want. You know, and I've I've gotten myself in trouble a lot about that in the uh, husband wife realm. But uh, and you know maybe rightfully so because I didn't need to teach her what she needed versus what she wanted. You know, but I think I definitely need. To instill that in my children and be that rock for them. What about you? What do you, What does it mean? What does being a father mean to you? Well, I, you know, it means a couple of different things. I'll, I'll tell you that you know, growing up, I knew that when I was going to become a father, it was going to be the center point of my life. You know, that's success. People measure it a hundred thousand different ways, but like my children's health, happiness, and and prosperity in life. That's really, you know, what I was going to try to measure my success for. Now, I tell you, at 18, I wasn't 100% uh, necessarily, like, aware that that was, that was coming, per se. But uh, um, it kind of just kind of, I think being a, a father should be, should be instinctual. I think you should just know that what you want for your kids is going to be hard. What you want for your kids isn't always going to happen, but you know you have to try to be focused on on what's best for them and, and really kind of being a, a safety net security. And I think of like my grandfather, for example, whatever happened in life, good, bad, or indifferent, if I screwed up or something horrible happened, I knew that if all else fails, he was going to be there and he was going to take care of you know, whether it be provide something, provide counsel, advice, this, that, and the other. So I think the unconditional love aspect, because um, you're right, you have to wear many hats. You have to be an authoritarian. You know, you have to be a disciplinarian. But you, and you also, you know, you got to be a fun dad too sometimes. You want to enjoy your kids. But I think it's also about being a provider, being a teacher, being somebody who holds them accountable. You know, and also someone who loves me. I think it's a, probably the, one of the harder balances of being a dad is is that um, you want to be that rock, you want to be that, that that source of security, but at the same time, 
Yeah, I think it's important with everything going on in life. Your kids also have to see, though, that you are human. And, and you're going to experience life, too. Yeah. And you're not, you know, you want to be their superhero, especially when they're little. But, you know, it's important that you're also teaching them how to cope and adjust with life. Sure, sure. I think, uh, you know, what's difficult for some people, and you know what, it's not always easy for me. Sometimes it's very easy. Uh, sometimes it's just, it's black and white. This is one way to go about it, and this is the other, you know. For example, my uh, my children, my youngest two children, uh, one of them hit the other. So I was using Maddie hit Cameron, and then Cameron retaliated and hit Maddie three times. And Matt and Cameron Cameron's not going to take anything from anybody. You know, she she can defend herself. She's the kind of person who uh, I've explained this to many people. She will hit you before she hugs you. You know, I don't. I don't know where she gets that aggression from, and and uh, but she's you know if she were if she were a boy, you know uh, it, it wouldn't be thought twice about because boys are, are roughhousers, you know, but uh, but she's such a sweetheart, and so anyways I went into that that situation, and Cameron thought she was going to be in more trouble. Actually, she thought she was the only one. And, uh, and so I sat them both down, and, you know, they're seven and nine years old. So, you know, understanding what happened in the moment isn't always reality. But, uh, <coughs> but Maddie, uh, Maddie actually hit Cameron first out of anger. And so Maddie got punished worse than Cameron because Cameron reacted. She retaliated in this situation. And so how do you how do you make that fair? And how do you punish and still demonstrate to a nine-year-old, to a seven-year-old that you still love them? You know, and so uh, you know, that was that was a tough one. Uh, but as soon as the stories came out and Maddie admitted that she hit first, as soon as that came out, it was real simple. It was very easy. Okay, Maddie, you started it. You were the aggressor. Cameron was just defending herself. And so she's going to get in trouble for hitting you three times. I would not have. I would not have disciplined Cameron at all had she hit her once, because she hit back, and then it was done. But she hit three times, and she continued and uh, potentially elevated the situation. So, anyways, that one was to me that one was real easy to discipline and then explain. This is why you're getting in trouble. It has nothing to do with the fact that. That I'm gonna love you forever. It has to do with the fact that you need to know when you're wrong. That one was the easiest one, but there have been there have been countless, and you know I I'm not even gonna be able to recall that many. That uh, you know it's difficult to discipline and also show love. I, I'd say so, and I think it's even compounds it worse if uh, you know if you're doing it by yourself or even with a small group of people. But if you're not in a traditional, you know mom and dad under the same roof type of scenario because you don't have you don't have that that person to play off you don't get to be good you don't get to have good cop bad cop days you don't have backup not at all you don't you don't have anyone to even necessarily bounce something off you like your 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 reactions to situations uh -huh. are much more raw it's almost like you're on live tv 24 hours a day yeah uh there's no really de decompress there's no time to 
regain composure. You're pretty much just uh, raw nerve reacting yeah. um, at every every turn of the page. And I think that, for me, you know, being a single dad, we both had kind of in common, and, and that's definitely changed some perspective sure, on what it meant to be or what it does mean, what it does mean to be a dad because it, there's a lot of um, – there's a lot of things that you can't, you can't, you can't be two people all the time. No, 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 no. That is, I found that to be extremely difficult, if basically impossible. It really is, and I, and I think you know when you try to like, I use my mom as an example. You know, and you were talking about father's figure. You know, my mom was really a central parental figure uh, throughout my whole life, and, and did a lot of that heavy lifting for me and my brothers and my sisters, and. Um, you know, I saw her struggle with it too sometimes because you had she had to be both. Yeah. And I, I've been I've tried to I think uh, you know go to her playbook a couple of times or two uh, with how to kind of adapt to some of those type of situations. So as we you know as we think about what it means to be a father, Joe, explain to me what it was like becoming a father for the first time. I got to tell you it might be one of the single greatest moments of my life. I put it up there. Yeah. Um, it was learning. It was really surprising. You know, if you were to, if you were to go to somebody who wasn't planning on having a child yep. and you were to say, Hey, uh, you, you, you ready to, you ready to, to be a dad? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I, I want to be a dad, but I don't know if I'm ready to be a dad. You'd anticipate, man, if that, if that happened, oh. you, you might feel a little bit of panic. Um, and when I found out we were expecting Jordan, I'll, I'll be honest, there was a little bit of a surprise, but, um, I almost immediately was, was over, overfilled with love and joy and determination. I had a job to do. Yeah. And nobody else was going to do that job for you. No, no one else is. Cause part of being a dad is doing what no one else wants to do, what no one else can do. Right. You got to make the hard decisions, the hard calls you got to take. You got you to take things that no one else really wants to take. That's just part of it. It's a, it's a unforgiving and relentless job. Some days. Yeah. Oh. But um, it is one of the, it is one of the most thankless. It really is. Yeah. But I get, but you know you hold your child. Uh huh. For the first time and you see him. That was. Uh, I, I literally I could not. I'm a man of many words, many expressions, and I pro- all I could do probably I, I was paralyzed with a smile on my face, tears coming down my eyes. And I wasn't able to speak for probably at least five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Never felt that type of joy in my life until I got to have that experience welcoming two children. Welcoming twins. Welcome twins. Yes. That that notification yeah. experience was a little bit different. I, I imagine. I imagine it was. Uh, wait, hey, we're pregnant. Okay, wait, wait, hold up. There's, there's two. There's gonna be. We're gonna have three mouths to feed. Yes. Instead of just yeah. two. What about you, man? You've had. You've had an experience becoming a father. I've had a pretty wild ride, actually. Uh, so I say it's pretty wild. It was it was relatively docile, but uh, you know, I think I've had the experience of becoming a father in in two different realms, as I talked about earlier. And uh, in my first one, uh, my first one, Tara. I met Tara when she was three, and uh, you know. I uh, I got to be her dad 
and you know, I wasn't her dad originally. Mm-hmm. I uh, I had to break the ice there, you know. And uh, actually, she called me pops. Uh, basically, her entire age four, she knew her biological father. I knew him, and uh, and then I was able to legally adopt her uh, right before she turned five years old. And so I got to know fatherhood from the perspective of, of toddler age and beyond, ultimately. And, uh, and, you know, that's different. That is, they can talk back to you. That is instant discipline right there, you know, and, or teaching, which involves discipline. It involves rewarding and all the other accolades and recognitions and corrections and everything that's involved with toddler age up to small, you know, five, six-year-old child. But but Maddie, my first that was born, my first infant experience, um, I, I could do nothing but cry. You know, I, uh, I was so happy. You know, the day we found out we were pregnant with her was one of the greatest days we'd ever had, and we were trying, you know, it didn't take long, and, uh, and, you know, so, uh, and so Maddie, you know, I got to experience the bond Mm -hmm. from the infant stage to, to that toddler age, I got to experience that gap I didn't get to experience with Tara, you know, and I, I really think that that actually affected Tara and I's relationship. But I told Tara the other day, I said, listen, you got the opportunity to be my favorite. No other child of mine has the opportunity to be my favorite. And, uh, and she said, what are you talking about? I was like, I didn't have any other children whenever I had you, whenever I became your dad. You were the only one, so you could have been my favorite. And she was like, huh, interesting. I said, isn't it? I said, I really changed some perspective now, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, it was, it, it, it's, it's different, but, you know, it didn't change in my mind what my role was. You know, my role for Maddie when she was an infant was still to protect her, was still to give her what she needs, was still to teach her what was right and wrong at that age, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that's different than teaching a four-year-old, five-year-old what's right and wrong. Uh, you know, the, the infant reaches for something and then you just kind of swipe the hand away, right? And you're like, no, no, no. That's the extent of teaching an infant, you know, but a, a three-year-old, four-year-old is going to ask you why and then you have to then explain it. I'll tell you what, that's one of the most difficult aspects of being a father. Explaining something to where a three-year-old or a toddler can understand it. Yeah, it is. But I got to tell you, for your first go around, though, having the fact that the child can speak is a, is a plus too. Because I got to tell you, as you probably learned, you know, first go, you know, first little bit, they're they're not really communicating anything back other than crying. The infant stage is extremely <clears throat> difficult to navigate. Very difficult to navigate. But I got to tell you, Josh, I um, I've always admired your love for your children and how much you have worked trying to be the best dad you can, and I remember us talking back, you know, in the beginning when you found the missus and, and the little one, 
And, uh, I, you know, I remember how excited you were to be a dad. And to be not just a dad, but to be, you know, to be mm-hmm. Tara's dad. So. Well, you know, I, I told, uh, I've told Tara many times, and I told, I've told Kelly, I've told her mother. You know, when I told, when I asked Kelly to marry her, to marry me, you know, mm-hmm. I, I knew that that came with, with, with a bag that had Tara's name on it. It was her clothes. It was her, it was her behavior. It was her attitude. It was her joy. It was her love. It was her everything, you know, and it wasn't just Kelly's, you know, and I knew that was coming along. And before I asked Kelly to marry me, what, 11 years ago or so, uh, I guess maybe 12 years ago. I don't know. It's been a long time. But uh, before I asked asked her, I knew I had to accept that responsibility and and take it without looking back. You know, um, and you know what? Even the judge, whenever we did the adoption papers and proceedings and everything, he said, "You know, now if anything happens with you and your mother, you are financially responsible for this child." And I was like, "Okay." And what's your point? You know, I was a little more formal than that, but I mean, I looked at yes, sir. There was no question in my mind that that Tara was mine, you know, and uh, you know, and I feel like I've qualified it maybe too much, you know, she's not mine biologically, but but she's got so much of me in her, mm-hmm. personality-wise, and uh, instruction and, and expectations and all that stuff. That there's no question. Brother, she's yours. Oh, she's hundred percent. And uh, it's actually kind of funny because there have been times in in the raising of her where she's looked more like me than she's looked like Kelly. And so, uh, so, so Kelly was, there was one time Kelly was asked if it was her big sister. You know, if Tara was, if Kelly was Tara's big sister. And I was like, no, it's, it's mom. You know? <laughs> and we're, we're four days apart, so it's not like I'm robbing the cradle or anything. Yeah, you're not that old. Yeah, I'm not that old. I wasn't the 15-year-old uh, Fifteen older year old husband, you know, but you know, I, I think the beauty in that though is is that we're uh, you've got to experience the joy of, of of getting to meet the children that God gave you. Oh yeah, um, and He had no doubt had a role in, in Tara coming to life, and He chose her. Yeah, I could have said no thank you. I could have walked away, absolutely, and it just but, but you chose you know, it. it wasn't it wasn't it was not a choice. It, that I look back and say, you know what, I would have done that differently. Not at all. That was something I would do over and over and over again. Absolutely. So, uh, so Joe, what's the what's the story? What's what's the story of fatherhood? That uh, you know, what's something that that you've done as a father, or something you've done with your kids? Give give me all the deets. All right, I got a couple. I got a couple. Uh, you know, when Jordan was a baby, he was real colicky and. I come home from work and, and stay up with him, you know, and try to take care of him. And you know, it's it was crazy. I was the oldest of seven from a blended family, mm-hmm. um, and I thought I was going to be much more prepared than I was. Yeah, um, I didn't do a horrible job, but it's scary. Oh, it is. So I remember waking up one night. Like what we would do is, is um, I finally be able to get him to go to sleep. I uh, I'd be laying on the couch and he'd be on the side, and he'd finally fall asleep. And I ended up dozing off. I remember getting up one like at middle of the night. Oh, hey, I gotta go to the bathroom. So I'll go to the bathroom. And uh, this little apartment we had, the the studio office was the nursery, and uh, they had a half bath in there. So 
right across from the living room because you know, there's apartments, you only one big room. So I go in there to go to the bathroom and then I come back out and I'm like, and I look in the, I was going to look in the crib, like check on him. Sure. And he's not there. Well, I remember Katie getting up. Mm. And uh, so I go back and in the light of the television, I see little baby Jordan like laying in like the, the silhouetted, like the dead man position. Completely, fr- I completely panic. I go rushing into the bedroom. I wake the kid up. I'm like, get up, get up, get up. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. She's like, what? <laughs> What's going on? And I was like, uh, I fell asleep. Now Jordan's at the floor. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, I don't know what, I don't know if he's okay. And she's like, well, you know, is he breathing? I was like, I didn't check. Of course, he was just fine, but I didn't even know. Sure. You know, you had that instant like. Yeah, he's oh, fifteen no. now, so yeah, he's, he's yeah, another yeah, happened yeah. back then. But yeah, you know, like oh my gosh, did I break him? Type of thing. But uh, but you know, the the, the twins. Um, I'll, take, well, I'll take a step backwards. The time me and Jordan had together was incredibly special. I mean, he was my buddy. He's my he's my, my shadow. Yeah. Uh, that was a unique, a unique time and a unique experience. And then uh, with the twins coming. Um, and I got to tell you, I, I was, I was really, I've told this to people. I was concerned at first having, knowing I was going to not only have one, but two, just because I, I'd never loved something so much as I loved Jordan ever. Yeah. And, uh, so I was like, oh my gosh, how, how am I going to possibly be able to love one more, let alone two more people as much as I love them? And of course, you know, as you know, uh, it's instant. It is instant, and and the capacity as you get we get older, right? Our capacity to feel love, and how much we can love, it just God does nothing but grow. But um, so the uh, when you had the three, it, it gets tough because I remember so the twins came and, and it was it was a great experience. I get to hold they're like all right, Dad, you know carry carry them back to the little nursery. So all the friends and family lined up at the window, and here I am, proud Papa Bear man, you know. Yeah. Not one, but two, right. uh, two of them, and so happy and thankful yeah. that mama was okay, beautiful babies were okay, uh, because we had them a little early, and uh, I bring them in, and I'm just, I'm overcome with joy, and then I look at Jordan, and uh, my mother-in-law, Jenny, kind of has on to a little bit, you know, little three-year-old Jordan, and uh, he looks at me, looks at the two of them instantly. Breaks down hysterics, cry like he is. You know, like he, like he's fond of saying, like I don't recall you ever asking me. Right, this was not my choice. Not, not my choice. That's right. And uh, so oh. that was, so pretty much like day one, I was like, oh, this is gonna be a lot to judge because I'm trying to, to love on these two beautiful new babies, but then I have, my my, my oldest, whose world is now apparently destroyed, com- destroyed, yeah, completely destroyed. But yeah. I like to, I like to joke with him. About us, I don't want to hear anything about us. That uh, I was a sophomore in high school by the time my mom met my stepdad, and I uh, said, you know, I, I, I left for school one day, and I had uh, two brothers and a sister, and then I came home one day, and I had three sisters and three brothers. Yeah. I doubled up overnight. That's right. So you know, you should be able to take these twins, okay? But um, uh, the the best thing I've experienced in fatherhood, really goes out of two different things. One is anything they're passionate about, I'm overly joyful watching them do. Mm. Whether it be art, whether it be video games, robotics, soccer, sports, or whatever. But the other thing is, is you know, I didn't, there's a lot of things in life as a child I didn't get to experience. Sure. And trying to have those experiences available for them 
is incredibly special because you get to, you getting to experience something with your kids for the first time. It's kind of like a it's like a real magical thing. So we've tried to do things like that, like us the progression of leaving uh, Palo Duro Canyon and Amarillo, driving through uh, New Mexico into Colorado, Colorado Springs into you know uh, oh, I can't think of it past Rocky Mountain National Forest. Progression of seeing things like that, you know, we were, we were reacting almost the same, but the same thing with seeing the ocean and even going on a boat on the ocean. You know, it's just been fun to try to experience cool things with them and, and make as many memories. What about you, man? What, what are some what are some tales from the fatherhood? So, uh, so this is uh, you know, this is just things that either I witnessed or maybe I did um, in this fatherhood realm. But one of the first things that I did. Um, that established my my father um, father of the year status. Let's say that sarcastically was uh, was Tara and Ashlyn, her cousin, were I guess they were around five or six. I may have had Maddie, so they may have been seven, and uh, and they were arguing over this this big bouncy ball. There was only one. They were arguing over it, and so you know we we said. We took it away. Uh, we said, hey, you argue about it. Nobody gets it no more, you know. And they continued arguing about it. And so, you know, it was all of us in the – my brothers, my parents. Everybody was up here. We were all over my parents' house, and uh, which was this house at the time. And uh, and so we were all saying, hey, settle down or, or you're, you're going to be in trouble. Or you're going to lose the ball <laughs> or whatever. And so after everybody kind of chimed in, I just stood up after they continued to fight over it. I just stood up, took a pair of scissors, and popped the ball, and said, "Listen, nobody gets it now." And and you would think you would have thought that I had shot somebody. That because I think that was pretty much the 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 comparison that my brothers gave was if you have an argument with somebody, you're not going to shoot them to end the argument, are you? I was like, no. This was a bouncy ball that cost two dollars to replace. If I need to replace it, I knew very well what I was doing, and it ended the argument. Both of them did not argue over a toy for easily a year after that. Well, Solomon cut the baby in half. It, it, I mean, it, it, you know, it really did. Maybe I should have said, listen, if, you, if y'all can't stop, I'm going to pop it, and nobody's going to ever get it again. You know, maybe I should have said that before I actually did it, but I was just tired of it. You know, the, all the parents, the grandparents, everybody in there, had, had said something to them about being quiet and, and getting along and sharing. And I was like, you know what? Y'all saying something did nothing, you know? And, uh, and so why don't we go do something about it? Yeah, crush their dream. Yeah, so I'll kill it. Absolutely. So I popped the ball. And I said, Dad, I'm sorry I popped the ball, but if I need to buy another one, I will. You know, I apologize if that was extreme. But you know what? The, the fight is over. And you know what? I, said, I promise you, for about a year, they didn't fight again. I thought I was like I thought this was really successful, you know, and uh, so that was one of my first. Uh, but as they get older, it gets more expensive to destroy the things they're fighting over. Absolutely, I have promised my oldest that if her cell phone, I'm paying for it. So if if her cell phone has comes in the way of her doing what I tell her to do, I will take a hammer to the cell phone, and she will not have it again, ever. Well, there's been there might there may have been some PlayStation and television accessories that might have. Receive some damage, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. over the years a little bit, and I and cost a daily average Joe. Well, so 
my next uh, my next one is so and then they mostly involve Tara, but uh, so Tara was in second grade and she was dealing with something that uh, that I, I think is referred to as pandas, where it has something to do with like chronic strep throat. Oh, okay. okay. I didn't know. You, I thought maybe like she was like. Yeah, I think it's an acronym. Okay, so it's not about being a bear, but uh, but anyway, so she was dealing with something and it was causing her. This is what this is what Kelly has has said it did, and you know what I saw it a little bit, I guess, but you know I didn't link the two until she forced me to think about it that way. But uh, it was causing her to be OCD about things and to latch on to ideas and uh, whether they were real or, or fake or whether they were extreme or not. She was latching on to those ideas, and she was being very OCD with. She was organizing things from smallest to largest when she never did that before, you know. So we were wondering where this came from. But when she was uh, when she was in second grade, uh, we think that there was some kind of a threat made by her to her teacher, and uh, we don't really know how that happened or or what the circumstances were, but it was really scary. You know, she's in second grade. You know, my thought was maybe she just heard something on TV and she repeated it. You know, but uh, but but you know, her mother has the idea that that she she th- thought about this thing, and she's in second grade. You know, she's in second grade, and so it's harmless. You know, and so she latched onto it. And so, anyways, uh, you know, we got real scared, and so we tried to figure out what it was, and apparently her. Her tonsils were were just ridden with mm. with strep throat like bacteria and stuff, whatever that is, you know. And so, uh, and so that was a real tough time for Kelly. She got really emotional about it. it was her firstborn. She was going through something that was just vaguely traumatic for a child to have to go through. And uh, and then we found out we were going, we were pregnant with Cameron. Mm. And so I don't let Kelly, I don't let her forget that when she found out she was pregnant with Cameron. Her first reaction was was crying, was sadness, and uh, and so I tell her I was like, "Hey, listen, this is why this is why I'm Cameron's favorite is because you cried whenever <laughs> she was conceived." And uh, and she she you know she gets on to me. That's not fair, you know. I'm like, no, it's well, it's exactly what happened. So I think, I think it's it's exactly fair. And so uh, so I always. I always look at her like, well, if you didn't cry whenever we found out she was pregnant, you were pregnant with her, you know. She'd probably love you. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of my that's one of my, my my favorites in terms of uh you know, what happened and kind of playing on the joke and stuff, uh, about being a dad. But um you know, there's just so many so many things. You make so many mistakes. And and you and you do the right thing and then you make another mistake. Your child does not love you less. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think you think being, you know, parenting alone has has made it to where you've noticed more mistakes, but yet you've also you've also noticed that unconditional love from your kids more. Yeah, I uh, you know I think that I think it opens it up to making more mistakes. You know, you can't be two people. You know. Uh, you know, in, in the Bible, when it talks about the woman was created to help the man, it's because man was not intended to be alone, you know. And, uh, you know, and that the woman wasn't intended to be alone either. You know, neither, neither of us are intended to 
to be able to go through this life without someone there to help and, and, and bounce ideas off of or, or give, an, give some aid to or whatever. And, uh, you know, and throwing children in the mix complicates it big time. I mean, I have to be, I have to be father and mother a lot. Be the love. I gotta be the discipline. I gotta be the cook. I gotta be the clean. I gotta be the the yard work. I gotta be the 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 teacher. I got. There's so many hats that you gotta put on, and uh, you know it's it's easier with two people. But you know what? Potentially, it's harder with two people because that means you gotta communicate more. And communication is another the one of the biggest keys why why relationships don't work out. You know, and so you just gotta be. You just got to be willing to accept that responsibility. And you know what? I wanted to be a dad regardless. Um, I wanted to be a dad. I want to be a husband too. But, you know, once you have kids, you're always a dad. You know, you're never not their dad. And, uh, and so anyways, I think, that it's been, I think that it's been a great ride so far. I'm looking forward to the older stages where they're into more things. They, they're starting to be their own person right now. Cameron and Maddie love the same things. Well, you know, once once Maddie goes into middle school and Cameron's still in elementary, that's mm-hmm. gonna change some. You know. And so I'm looking forward to that whenever they all three become their own their own person. What I what I've enjoyed is, is Jordan. Well the twins and Jordan, you know, kids are all different. Their experiences thus far have been different. But Jordan going into those the, the later part of the teenage years seeing him really start to develop his own line of thoughts, his own thinking and being more expressive. Um, this is how I feel about things. This is my opinion. And you can remember what it was like to be that age and whatnot. And really the same thing with the twins, getting to see that from, that's been a very unique experience because I'm getting to see each age from a boy and a girl perspective. Oh yeah. But I was going to tell you, it's really funny. You mentioned the whole, like that they love you even despite your mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, take having a, having a fairly, a job that that worked a lot of hours, you know, a lot of needs. Plus, you got, you got the kids. It was an adjustment, and um, I'd always cook some, but you know, uh, after a long day, I, I didn't always have to cook. That's the, yeah. last, that's the last thing you want to do is come home and feel like you got to work more. Right, exactly. Yep. But uh, so, um, in the first year, we were. I was like, you know what? It's okay. We're gonna have make a, a family classic. That you know, my mom, my grandma, and my aunt always made chalupa casserole. So basically, it's uh, it's ground beef, some chili powder. Um, and uh, evaporated milk or condensed milk. I get the two confused, which we're going to get to that. Okay. Okay. And then, you know, as you mix it together, it's like a casserole with some corn tortillas and some cheese, and it's just, it's amazing. Okay. Um, it has a Spanish name, but if you talk to anybody in Spanish, they're like, what are you talking about? Okay. So one of the two, because I still get them confused, one of those milks is used for candy. Yeah. Confections. Condensed milk. Condensed milk, it's yeah. But evaporated milk. Evaporated milk, not as much, right? Sure. So I bought condensed milk. Uh-huh. So this is a very savory, hearty dish. Not supposed to taste like a cake. Sure. You know, like 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 sugar. And so I made it. It looked good. Caramelized cheese. It was great. We sit down. I think the kids even had some, some neighborhood their friends over, you know. Spend that we all sit down and we all bite into it and it's like oh no something's wrong and Jackson through all of this is he, he he likes to be my my hype man or my cheerleader like the better when the chips are the roughest mm-hmm. 
I could do no wrong. Is it something like that? But it's okay. And I kind of did screw this up. So he he's choking, and he's one of my picky eaters too. Uh-huh. He chokes his spoonful down. He's like, oh, and he's in pain, you know. He's like, you know what, Dad? It tastes great. And I was just like, oh, like eyes welling up. Like I love this, you know. Like thank you. <laughs> it sucks. Throw it away. I want to order pizza. Right. You know. Yeah. But uh, but no, they. Uh, I think I think we're we have the opportunity and the blessing to actually learn from them. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, uh, we've we've had a couple uh, we've had a couple responses on our Facebook page, a couple shout outs. I think we wanna we wanna give. Uh, who who is that there, Joe? Uh, well, uh, a, a longtime friend and former. Former former peer and, and, and co-worker, uh, my friend Julia, she commented on one of these. She wanted to give a, a Father's Day Father's Day shout-out, and I'm having some technical difficulties, so you'll have to bear with me for a minute, because um, I, I had it up. I had the shout-out up, and it disappeared on me. Okay. So give me a second here. Not my smoothest thing. There you uh, go. Yeah, but so it there says, it uh, yeah, so, uh, so Julia wanted, wanted to share about her, her dad, Eddie, and that you know, he married uh, her mom with four kids and just the best dad ever, um, best papa, you know, fix anything, goes to concerts with them and loves her mother unconditionally. And uh, if she, she had to pick a dad, she'd pick him again and again and again. So I thought that was a very sweet sentiment. So happy Father's Day to Eddie and happy Father's Day to, to Julia's husband. That's a really happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Yeah, absolutely. And all the and all the other the father figures in people's life, grandparents, friends, uncles, right. you know, mentors. Uh, you know, and shout out to, to all the moms out there that are having to wear both hats too. You know, I uh, I just want to you know I kind of want to conclude with uh, with some friends of mine. They uh, are friends of ours, I guess. You know, they uh, they recently lost their father. And so I know that today uh, is going to be real rough for them. And this time of year is going to be rough for them. But uh, but uh, but this man, Don Walker, uh, if you listen to our last podcast, Adam Walker is his, uh, his youngest son. <coughs> and uh, he and the average Joes are going to be... Uh, podcasting together in, in about a month or so mm-hmm. and uh you know don was uh don was a preacher at the church in uh, san antonio and was was a counselor at the camps mm-hmm. we went to and and you know i've known don for a long long time and don was always one of the one of the most kind-hearted people you'd ever meet uh he was extremely uh, uh convicted you know, in his beliefs and uh, very, very solid, very grounded man. And a great example for us as boys when we were growing up. I know he loved his family more than, more than he loved his own life. I know he loved everybody that he, that he impacted, everybody that he came in contact with. He was just, he was a great, great man. And I know that this time has been tough for them. I've tried to reach out and, and, uh, and just kind of, you know, test the water, see how they're doing, you know, and, uh, you know, I just, I know it can't be easy, you know, I'm fortunate enough to not have to have to had experienced that yet, 
you know, I know you lost your granddad who, uh, but you've had 15 years to, you know, to kind of overcome that, you know, about 15 years. And, uh, and, you know, you know, they're probably going through a lot of what you were going through back then, you know, and I know it can't be tough. I had a scare with my dad about five years ago. He had quadruple bypass surgery and, uh, you know, we, we were real scared about, about all that stuff. Fortunately, he was able to make it through and, you know, kind of sitting on pins and needles with, with his health, you know, currently. But, but Don, you know, it caught me by surprise when he was going through his health issues. And, and uh, you know, because he's not, he's the same basic age as my dad, you know. And, and, you know, honestly, I'm not ready to lose my father. And so I know they, are not, they were not ready to lose theirs. And uh, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't even imagine what it's like and uh but you know to all of you who are listening who maybe have lost your father or or a significant figure in your life you know just know that uh just know that if you surround yourself with people that love you you'll be able to get through it and uh you know don't take life for granted you know uh enjoy every moment that you have with those that you love be uh be content with the things that you have, and uh, you know, just just reach out if you need help. Ask for help. You know, don't be don't be stubborn. Don't be afraid to seek help when you're in your toughest times. You know, and so to Josh and Adam, Kelsey and Amy, you know, the Walker children. You know, I know that they love Don, and I'm. Actually, uh, I saw a snippet on Facebook uh, of the podcast that Adam and Amy did uh, to commemorate their their dad. And, uh, you know, it was great. And, you know, they obviously know him better than anybody else. But, but I was lucky to have had him in my life for any period of time. Not had to be, I didn't get to... No, Don and the Walkers. I didn't know them as closely as you did over the years. Um, yeah. But actually, Adam lived with me for like five months or so. Um, we were about eighteen to twenty. But uh, the, the 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 time I did get to spend with that family and, and the time, especially being around Don, impactful. Yeah, uh, never forgot, and definitely like mourned his loss and, and sent my love to their family too. And I think you, I think you said all that very beautifully. And 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 to add on to it. I think the way that you have to we have to approach life, especially as you know, we're getting older. We're dealing with health issues, health issues, and uh, you know, um, looking at life differently as the years go on. It is about making the most of it. I know one of the things we, we drew from my grandfather's passing, which we were not expecting, was is you know, my brothers, my sister. You know, we had the phone calls about love you. Well, I love you. You know, it was a very it was very much a, 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 a learning experience of uh, you don't do not leave things unsaid. Yeah, and try not to leave anything undone. Yeah, um, and 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 again maximize the time that you have and who you have it with and uh, love, man. You know that's really really what it boils down to. Fatherhood. If if you if you could sum it up into one word, I really do believe that fatherhood is. I would agree with you. And, you know, just as we're closing out, 
you know, think about this. If you were grateful, uh, if today was your last day and, and the only thing people remembered you for was what you were grateful for yesterday, how would you be remembered? You know, think about that. And if you can live your daily walk in gratitude and thankfulness and appreciation for what you have, I think you'll realize you got everything you need and you just need to understand that you now need to appreciate it and uh, and make the most of it. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you, especially if you've listened this far. This was kind of a, this was a heavy, heavy podcast, but you know, we, we love all the fathers out there. We love being fathers uh, to all those coaches and and men that, that helped uh, influence my life as I grew up and, you know, still influencing me now. Uh, I just want to say thank you uh, to my dad. I love you. To my granddad, I love you as well. And uh, we hope, that, uh, we hope that, that you take life and, and make the most of it. Don't take it for granted. Love every minute of it. Love every person that you come in contact with that has any part of your life. Amen that's brother. I, I close to saying, you know, send my love to my, my father-in-law, Mike, rock for our family, and uh, same thing to coaches, teachers, preachers, you know, and, and strong men that have been in and out of our lives. Uh, appreciate everything you've done. Appreciate everything you do. The examples we see even in our friends and our peers and then what the fathers they are. Uh, doing things right. So uh, you guys have a good Father's Day weekend. Most importantly, try to have a good life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Try try to make the most out of it, whether it's Father's Day or if it's just a regular Tuesday. Absolutely. Maximize your potential. Until next time, this is the Average Joe Boo. This is the Average Joe. Telling you to keep it clean.